0: I'm surprised, like, I don't have, like, a Swedish passport still till today.
1: (laughs) You definitely should be given. one. Yes. I'm going to look into that. If you want one, we'll we'll, we'll get one for
2: you. What's up, everybody? Happy Black History Month. You're probably hearing this unfamiliar voice and wondering, who's this guy? My name is Jared, the producer for this moment, the Transatlantic Bridge, connecting Sweden to the United States, socially, musically, culturally, and all things cuisine. You'll be hearing from our hosts, Chef Marcus Samuelson and Jason Diakite in a moment, but check this out real quick. February 13th marks the 25th anniversary of The Score, the classic hip-hop album from the legendary Fugees. It's one of the greatest albums of all time. Fuji La, Killing Me Softly, Ready or Not. Yo, the Fugees, Their sound was unique. Their message was inspiring. And to commemorate that, we're gonna drop an interview we did recently with Wyclef Young, the rapper slash producer, composer, the visionary, who was part of that group. And believe it or not, Wyclef has strong ties to Sweden
0: and played a huge role in bringing hip hop to the mainstream. My relationship with Sweden, I guess is like Barb Marley with Switzerland. I just feel like when I'm in Sweden, my soul has been there before. His Swedish ties
2: go even deeper, as he was a friend and collaborated with the late great Avicii. We'll learn more about that in conversation. But for now, let's just jump right back in. This moment. Three, two, one. Talk to me about Haiti, Brooklyn,
3: New Jersey. Talk to me about those three places, how you were coming up, and you were constantly going back and forth between the immigrant of being in Haiti, but also being in coming as an eleven-year-old to New York and Brooklyn. What those three taught you, but also
0: Jersey. How these three places impacted wow. you, and pushed you through to the highest level. I was born in Haiti, in a in a small town called Kwadebuke. Literally, I was like the leader of my village. They'll tell you, like I was no joke. Very African out, butt naked, <laughs> with like one piece <laughs> of leaf feel me? Nature boy. I don't think like, people understand the reality of this. So my daddy left me when I was one. He came and got me from Haiti when I was 10 mm-hmm. years old, me and my mm-hmm. brother. Can you imagine like my parents coming to get me at 10 years old? And the first time I, I, uh, I see an airplane, an airplane, man. Like, and then I would go and say, yo, um, and translation for that, the birds coming. When I say that. All of my little warriors come, and we all get down, and we have these slingshots, you know what I'm saying? Like with these-
1: Y'all trying to get the bird.
0: (laughs) My perspective was like, if we could shoot this bird down, it looks so big from the sky, like literally, we would have like stock for the whole year. I'm showing you the perspective. So by the time at 10, I saw this airplane, I was so amazed. The reason why the airplane is bugged out is because in the village, I've never seen a white person in my life. Um, we have something just like the Indians, mm. but we say blunt, right? Man, it's just like, it's just the way like we, you in the village, this is how you talk. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go.
1: <laughs> so how scary was that to see white people all of a sudden? Because you must have heard of them, right? You heard that they existed. No. But, I'm no? A, no such thing.
0: Yeah. I, but I must say... Yo, no. Man. So backtrack. This is the first time I seen a white person. Was I was with my <laughs> grandmother. We was in the village. A truck pulls up, and a white man gets out. I'm spooked out, and I say to my grandma, "Who's this?" Because the guy goes in the back of his truck and he gets all of this rice, and he's bringing it to the village, to us. So I told my grandma, "Who's this?" And my grandma looked at me, and she goes, it's Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Laid it on you, man. I'm like, yo, And my brain, just repeat this, man. (laughs) I'm a kid, barely seven or eight. And I'm like, why is Jesus bringing us the rice, but not the fertilizer? I understood the idea of like, you know, planting and growing and all of that now keep in mind i never seen a white person after that so my first experience on me and my brother we are on an airplane mm-hmm. and we see all these white people and they come in to talk to us but you know they sound like martians we don't know the language so it sounds like rules so they literally say hey young guys would you like something to drink but it just sounds like you know what i mean <laughs> he look at me right and he says yo, who's all these people with these uniforms, right? And I look at him and I say, stupid, these are Jesus Christ's cousins. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least
1: y'all had a good impression. There was some kind of good idea behind that. Hey,
0: this is Clef Jean, and you're listening to this moment.
4: That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Burrow's furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com
1: slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You come from the village, you land in Brooklyn. How was that culture clash for you? Can I I can only imagine it was a culture clash. Yeah,
0: Because the airplane is going down. First thing we see yes. is the twin yes, yes. towers and nothing but lights. Mm. And... Um, I told my brother we rich. We made it to the city of diamonds. And our first stop in Brooklyn is Marlboro Projects, Coney Island. And at the time, Coney Island was ran by the Italian mafia. So anybody who want to Google like Coney Island in the eighties, you'll get a perspective of where we landed. So we get to the projects, but keep in mind where I come from, I come from a hut. And then, so when we pull it up, my daddy, I'll never forget, he had a, a LTD station wagon. So we get in a car. So to y'all, it's an LTD station wagon. To me, this is like the same limousine that Biggie Smalls was in. <laughs> yeah, We get in this uh, station wagon and we pulling up and we see these buildings. And my dad says, we live right there. And I looked at my brother and I said, we rich, because I couldn't identify yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. all I saw was big buildings. And this is the projects of Marlboro. So that lit- that's literally where we got, it was like 10 of us in one small little apartment. And um, this was Brooklyn, the idea of like not being able to speak English and, and then learning and picking up very, very fast. You know, what made us move to New Jersey was automatically because I can't speak English, we being picked on, you know what I'm saying? So I automatically started wearing you know, my flag, you feel me? On a part of my past. And my flag sort of like would identify who we are and who, who's part of what we doing, you feel what I'm saying? And it was like identifying a tribe. Let me just give y'all some bars. I'm gonna make it real simple for y'all. I'm just gonna do the alphabets. I know B's and C's fellas, RIP the Tookie. He got taken by the Terminator, that's the ex-governor. A Californian Schwarzenegger, he could get these nuts for executing Crip leaders now. You on E or out your in mind, G, it ain't hard to see. It's all a conspiracy. They caught my man in the H, hit him with a RICO A. He hit the freeway, like freeway translation, just another pawn for the CIA. Because where we come from, you either dunking like Dr. J or get caught up in a drama with a K and get slayed.
3: So in 10 years, from 10 to early 20s, you already, you got a band, you're leading a band, you're in music videos, you're hustling your way into clubs, and you're already a prodigy in music in those 10 years, right? So how did that happen? How
0: did music enter your life? Uh, Music came to my life through the church. Because my daddy was a minister, similar to like Aretha Franklin or Whitney, and all those stories you hear them gospel. Like we literally the church band. So me and my brothers and sisters, Michael Jacksons of the church. So (laughs) we learned all the instruments in the church. But being that I was in a church, I was also on the street, and I was like, okay, how am I going to get my credibility in the street? So I learned how to rap, not because. I wanted to make songs. I basically learned how to battle rap. And the reason why I learned how to battle rap, I would I would fight less. You get your respect that way. And I literally became the best battle rapper in Newark. Yo, I Yo, yo. Yo, when I was young, I used to have an afro. I'm not ashamed to say it, I used to go with a fat soul. She <laughs> weighed about 360. She used to always say, get off of me white club, you little skinny. Boy, but now that's beside the point. Now I got older and skinny man packed joints. So for everybody out there that's a fat soul, let's do the dance, cause here we all go. And then in high school, um, a music teacher, I had my bubble goose on my Scully, and I was in an auditorium and I was playing the piano. And a music teacher came in, but I, I never wanted like my street cats to see me like playing. You know what I'm saying? I always wanted to. Mm, yeah, hood. And she was like, Tomorrow, you're going to start jazz. And I was like, I am not doing jazz. That's for old people. I'm going to be a battle rapper like LL Cool J. And kid you not, the next day she put me in jazz. And when she put me in jazz, um, I learned Miles Davis, Bitches Brew, and I started reading sheet music, and literally that changed my life. So then I got into Quincy Jones, and then I, I want to be like this guy. I want to be the guy who create the stars, because if I create the stars, I do mm-hmm. a job. So then I just focused on like the hustle, the bustle. I used to take the train with my man. We go to New York for auditions. Like I would, I would never take no for an answer. Like, we basically bum guard ourselves into my first music video ever was Eric B and Rakim. Don't, yes. check me.
1: don't Don't sweat the, the technique. technique. Yep. In the back. In the
0: back yep. though. <laughs> Playing the main instrument, the bass. Yes. You know? A clean teenager, an extra. And we, mm-hmm. we didn't have, we wasn't assigned to be in the video. We wasn't, you know what I mean? For that music video, I should have got best extra of the year because... I'm literally <laughs> shots, bro, on Eric B. and Rakim. And what's funny, dude, years later, I go to Eric B. and Rakim's show at the House of Blues and I'm telling Rakim, yo, <laughs> I'm in your first video. How obsessed I am with you. I
3: promise you, Clef, Questlove actually put out on his Instagram that picture with you
0: playing bass mm-hmm. on the Sweater Technique. Mm-hmm. It's like that's a, how we all found out about That's how we it. know, yep. you know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah, so...
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a cultural bunny, and it's sort of like, so for me, um, and the upright bass was my natural instrument in high school. And guess what? That just taught me, the music teacher told me something I'll never forget. She was like, when you coming from the hood, don't ever forget. They're going to tell you, you could be a rapper. You could be on Hot 97. You could be on Kiss FM. But what nobody's going to tell you is you can be a great composer like Gershwin. So my whole thing was like, yo, I want to get to Carnegie Hall. So when dudes was like, they want to make it on a billboard, I was like, yo, I want to be the first to perform at Carnegie Hall. So I always tell people that's believing, believe it in yourself by taking no as an acclamation for yes.
1: I mean, it, 1993, first time I hear the Fugees. It wasn't in its infancy, but it, but it was really starting to blossom. It's at the pinnacle of the golden age, but it was also very orthodox sound wise, the fashion, the, 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 the lingo. And already I could tell I'm a young kid. You know, my parents are American, but I grew up in Sweden. I'm looking at Yo M T V raps like it's, you know, I it's it's coming straight out of Mecca, right? So anything I see there, I take as law because I'm in love with hip hop culture. But then I see y'all and you know, the Fuji's built on the word refugee. And I'm like, whoa, but this doesn't sound very American. This this sounds like the black and brown people I hang out with here in Sweden. They're, they're kids of refugees, too. And uh, that y'all called yourself the translator crew. I see y'all step on. Somebody's playing the acoustic guitar. The sound is a little different than what I'm hearing from other American rappers back then i say the Fugees were really pioneering something new of what hip-hop could be. You know, how did you find that, that kind of space to be like, we're going to do hip-hop, but we're going to do it in our way?
0: Well, I mean, great question. The first part about it is, when I got to America, I have those that didn't make it, you know what I mean? They were fleeing, mm. and they ended up on the Cuban Sea. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Souls is in there. So the word refugee, I felt like, whenever somebody heard refugee, they assumed they were dirty people, people who don't
1: mm-hmm. have money,
0: people who's running from somewhere to come from somewhere else. So we was like, we're gonna take the word because this is where we come from, you know what I'm saying? And then you know, Lauren Hill was definitely like a Angela Davis. She already had the mindset at a young age. She had the Panther vibe, you know what I'm saying? Prize, Haiti, Haiti background. So we was like, we're not, I remember the word, we're not creating a group, we're gonna create a movement because it's bigger than ourselves. So that's how that word came to be. The idea of instruments inside of the music and me saying, you know, we about to do acoustic record, which is gonna be called Vocab, and the first record is gonna be called Vocab. It's, the Fugees was completely taboo to what hip hop was. Exactly. We was very conscious, if he wasn't in America, and you was watching this, you assume that it's two turntables, a microphone, fly fashion walking around, and the samples would actually come from the actual vinyl. But when we coming up, we watching like Bob Marley and the Wailers. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. We
0: the Fuji's first um, signing was to Cool in the Gang, so we would watch like, like Cool in the Gang performing. Like, uh, and then the early days of Curtis Blow, he used a lot of instruments. So I was like, what's gonna separate us right from the gate is we gonna be a band, you know? And then once again, I was like, now when we a band, they might not get it in the beginning, but they're gonna get it in the long run. As far as like the street credibility and, and all of that, what you have to do is you have to say to yourself, now that you look back at it, you gotta be like, "Yo, the Fugees was probably the most gangsterous group in history. Tell me one time, have you heard us getting people taking our jewelry? Tell me one time, have you heard somebody hanging me from the balcony? Tell me one time within the career have I have to, we have to show up to some place where we can't walk through the crowd with our jewelry. Like at the end of the day, think about the era and everybody that was talking the gun talk, right? Like, do you think we did not have guns on us? You know what I'm saying? Don't you think we was pure shotter? Like we refugees, like we from the M4. <laughs> but what we learned was that we was in America and being in America with that passport that we had and that green card, one thing we did wrong, we would be deported. And once we deported, then our entire family loses the opportunity of the dream. So we was very conscious of that as we were. And I told Superman before he take flight, wait for my cue because his weakness is Crips tonight. And all that blue that's Crips tonight, y'all like, why is Uncle Clef moving like a zombie that's tails of the Crips tonight? Listen. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ
3: You take over, and it just feels, it doesn't feel like it's cover. It feels so authentic. So before we were setting up for this, we said, you are our Quincy Jones, right? You truly are that person that uh, any musical genre, and I mean that with, tell me a little bit, you worked with, of course, Santana, but you also worked with Queens, Beyoncé very, very early, Mary J. Blige. And, of course, Shakira. And and list goes on and on. But any genre it just feels right. Where does that come from? Because that's after the Fugees.
0: Well, that really comes from it started in Marlborough Projects in Coney Island at 12 years old. So at 12 years old, um, I had a fascination of the mixtapes that was coming from the streets. And I had a little brother who came from Haiti with me. His name was Sam. And he had a fascination for rock. So literally, so at a very young age, when we was playing in the church, we knew that the church could not speak English. So what we did was we wanted to basically collectively, and this happened just because we wanted to play cooler stuff in the church because we didn't like what was going on in the church. Like We wanted to play. We felt the music could be cooler. So... You know, one week I'll be like, "Yo, what's that? um, What's that? um, Cassette with that white and black cover?" He'd be like, "Yo, that's the police." And I'd be like, "Yo, I don't mess with no police, man. Like, why? (laughs) No, go check it out. That's the police synchronicity, boy. Just listen to what they're saying." Then he put me up on the police synchronicity. You know what I'm saying? Then I discovered Pink Floyd. You feel me? And my mama was a country head. So anything in the house, like the devil went down to Georgia to find a soda to steal, like Charlie Daniels. So my mama was a country head. So literally before, think about it, before the YouTubes and everything, you had literally like seven or eight people in the house sharing totally different forms of music. So by the time I got to high school, I understood that one word classified it all. And the word was jazz fusion. And jazz fusion, was mm. the idea of the classification of you saying it's hip hop, the classification of you saying it's country, the classification of you saying it's rock and it's classical. But what, what happens if I tell you the classical guys used to go to Harlem and mm-hmm. what the mm-hmm. jazz guys was doing, and then they used to get back to the classical. You know what I mean? What if I told you the, 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 the origin of country, which you already know comes from the, Mm -hmm. comes from the space. So the thing is, understanding music as an origin, I feel that us as the Asiatic, sometimes they strip us of our powers and we forget our powers and we start to put ourselves in a box. So now we start to conform. That's when they start to make money, right? Because now they say we are rock and roll. Mm -hmm. We are, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But what happens The ones that prevail is the ones that say that we are all things. So Bob Marley, the creator of this reggae movement, right? But when you listen to reggae, what is it? It's world music, blues, it's everything.
1: I mean, I remember, I remember 1995... I come from a small town in the south of Sweden... Really, you know, corner of the world map... Uh, called Lund. 1995, Das FX was coming to play in Lund. Me and all my friends were really excited... Because the warm-up act was this group called the Fuji's That we really loved. We loved the Nappy Head remix... And, and you know, Vocab and these tracks... We, we, we were, like... We were killing that album. So we're like, yo, the Fujis are coming... We were all there in front of the stage, watching y'all perform, you know. Hip-hop was still firmly centralized, coming out of the United States, coming mainly out of, you know, New York, sometimes LA, sometimes the Bay Area. In Sweden, hip-hop was not a part of pop culture. It was, it was a subculture at best. You know, we were a couple uh, couple hundred kids that that came to see that show. One year later, the same group drops the album 1996 the score which is like it must have been the biggest selling album of that year 20 what 25 million sold and all of a sudden this thing that we were invested in hip hop this thing that we were so close to and was a part of our identity was now on all these other Swedish persons lips you and the Fugees did that you know I really want to salute you and thank you being a part of helping to introduce Sweden to hip hop culture.
0: Well, yeah, I think for us, um, like right from the gate, like the idea of the refugees message is like we was very conscious that we needed to go to every little town, every little. Because what happens is the migration of refugees is throughout all of Europe. Right. So Mm -hmm. right. So we conscious of that at a very young age. So I'm like, look, you know, if we if we show up in Sweden, you know, we show up in London, we show up like they're gonna be like refugees that they're gonna leave there feeling inspired and the crowd is gonna leave there feeling inspired and they just might treat that person a little better. You know what I mean? So that was our yeah. thing, just that universal movement, you know what I mean? But but Clef, you also have a very special relationship with Sweden.
3: I remember when you came in the early two thousands and You're the biggest, you guys are the biggest artists in the world. And I remember you couldn't go anywhere in Stockholm because, you know, the press was all over. My mom was always like, they got to save that boy. He's tired. He's coming out of Cafe Opera. You got to save that boy. (laughs) She was always rooting for you. My mom was always, I mean, Jason, no, bless her soul. She just passed. But Jason, no, anything black, my mom is always pro. But Hmm. you also were very close with Avicii.
0: So can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Avicii? You know, in Sweden, I'm known, like, I'm known like, even like the parliaments, I got them bopping their heads. Yes.
1: Down to (laughs) Most definitely. I
0: would even say in the royal
3: house, but we're going to not talk about that today. We're not going there today. So, but I would just say, whisper.
1: Oh no, kings and queens behead Bob. But we're not not going
0: going there. My relationship with Sweden, I guess, is like Barb Marley with Switzerland. I just Mm. feel like when I'm in Sweden, my soul has been there before. It's like time traveling. Like, that's my place in Europe. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel comfortable. I feel at home. Um, So as a Fuji, there's still a young little kid, right, who's coming up, some young little genius who's studying the music in a whole different way through this technology, and he's figuring this thing out on a whole nother level. So so on my way back to New York, I heard this Wake Me Up song. I'm hearing this guitar come in, you know, and I'm like, yo, Mm -hmm. then you get that what is this? Right? Cause there's a producer. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's like, if you hear Bach, I don't care who it is. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I have to get with this, with whoever this is, Do you know what I'm saying to you? So, uh, my man set up a meeting over in New York. When me and Tim got in the studio, it was like Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones. There was some article somebody had sent me. He said, I was the greatest writer that he ever worked with. Do you know, we literally have like 25 songs that we did that still ain't come out till today. Wow, wow, Wow! I didn't know. So he comes in with the computer Mm -hmm. coming in. You know, I got my guitar, I got my bass. (laughs) And we start to rock and I discovered something. I was like, oh man, I have to learn more about these MIDI sessions the whole world has converted from hardware to software. So if I plan to enter the next millennium, I have to rock out. Meanwhile, he's like, yo, Clef, I'm learning how to play piano. Can you show me this chord or whatever, right? So he called me um, clefication, right? G- g- give me that, hit that keyboard. Give me the clefication, <laughs> right? We connected. <laughs> Beyond that, we stayed cool. Like seriously, he felt like Big brother, little brother. I think that the reason why he felt that is because we can, he could can relate to me because we can talk because he was that little kid that was like, this is the Fujis, this is the guy. So he called me the Haitian mafia. I called, I called him <laughs> the Viking, the Viking. <clears throat> <laughs> you know, we literally <laughs> would crack jokes. Like, you know what I'm saying? I call him when he got like, yo, what's up with the Viking mob, man? <laughs> With my crips and bloods out there, y'all gonna have some trouble, right? So <laughs> he was very pure. I think, like, he will be classified um, as a genius, like just like Bach, because he came in and he re completely invented the genre. One of the greatest songs, and it's probably Whitney's last
3: great song, is "Your Love Is My Love," right? But that is really where you show church. And you can't do this to me. I see keys behind you. I, are there keyboards behind you? Jason, Is that keyboards behind
1: you? <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. How, absolutely. Does that,
3: how does that song start? Because I don't remember. Jason, do you remember the song? I don't remember it. I don't. But
1: my love no, how does that song start,
3: Cliff? Can you show my us on the key? Because that's the church in you. I think y'all are going to be able to hear
1: it.
3: You know, man, we just need to feel it and see it because it is <laughs> church.
1: Yes, yes. The grand yes, piano, yes, the grand piano yes. is being opened. The lid is just being opened.
0: Clap your yeah, alright. Clap oh. your alright. Yeah. And I'm standing on the front line.
3: That's how I wrote some of that song. <laughs> wow. Mm, so mm. I wanted to show
0: y'all the chords on that one. That's a timeless
1: song. I mean, and of course, hearing Whitney sing those lyrics, it just moving to this day yeah
0: you know what's the deepest thing about that song right is um this is like whitney's song after like eight years you know what i mean that's like her coming back you know and clive who's like a godfather to me and he hit me up and was like yo i need a song for whitney and knowing like everything that whitney go through i was like I'm going to write this song like it's the last song on earth. You know what I'm saying to you? And knowing like Whitney's from the church, it allowed me now to go back to my roots and be able to do something which could be a little more back centered around my roots. So for me, that's one of those um, records that I I really love. And people don't even know I got Bobby Brown singing on the hook. I didn't know that. (laughs) Back? I did not know that. They got Bobby Brown doing a male voice. I ain't tell nobody till afterwards. I couldn't tell Clive because he probably thought. And when Whitney was in a booth, her daughter was in the main room and then her daughter said, sing, mommy. And then I grabbed the microphone and I was like, what did you just say? And she said, sing, mommy. So I sampled her voice and Whitney didn't even hear that until the final record. She cried. Can you let us in a little bit about Santana?
3: How was that? How was that? Because you really
0: brought Santana back. So for me, Carlos Santana is like a god for me. And you know, it's, like, it's like working with Jimi Hendrix. And when Clive Davis approached me, the, the, the way to get a connection, it's like Young Thug has a record called Why Club Show. And you might not have heard it, but mm-hmm. there's something that happens when generations connect the atoms of genius, 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 genius. Like Santana is like the king of genius to me. So all I did was I just put a math with him. And I was like, yo, you know, at the end of the day, I used to grow up on a play called West Side Story. It was a movie and there was a girl Maria and everybody wanted Maria. I'm into like playwriting and all of that kind of stuff and just try to bring it into pop culture. Yeah. Um, so being in a studio with Santana was insanely amazing. I wanted to bring Santana, make sure that we get a hit for Santana so bad, because the fact that we have, we could look up on the wall and we could see a plaque of Santana that's like 10 million. It just lets me know that at any time, if I ever want to come back and do something serious, all I have to do is just plug in. We're all equal out the same way that it did with Santana because the proof of concept already exists. Like when you put generations together that respect each other, you only gonna get the best music. Police stopped me. I told him, don't ask why in the stash box I keep a Glock because y'all already know they putting their knees on niggas. I told him I'm a rock star. He, like, what that mean? I keep an axe like ZZ Tops.
1: So are you, so what musically is going on today in, in your world, Clef? What, who are you connecting with? What do you, you know, you have visions for 21, 22, 23, as far as where you're going to go musically?
0: Yeah, so I'm in a very amazing place right now. I'm like in the space where Quincy was at at 51. Uh, I landed what will be Prince of Prince prince uh, with Netflix. This is my version of Lion King. Wow. This is inspired by my first 10 years. But when you hear the music that I'm coming with, right, it's like you heard Lion King for the first time. Like, kid choirs that I'm recording out of Haiti. Like, just saying So I'm very excited as a Black composer to be scoring uh, this film. Um, I'm also scoring season four of a, uh, my good friend, Lena Way who wrote Queen and Slim. So... As the hit show, The Shot, on Showtime. And I'm doing, so this is different, right? We're not talking about doing a song, but we, we talk about Tiger Woods now, right? We, this is the thing y'all talked about earlier. I told you they only want you in one box. So when you say I want to be a composer, it's like, I want to play golf now. You know what I'm saying to you? I'm very excited about that. The second thing I'm excited about is I am building the first scoring and jingle company of diversity in a couple of months. Um, Hollywood, Bali, everybody will be able to do B2B business directly with me as someone who come, who's not just a composer, but represent composers of diversity. So at the end of the day, I will be providing source music, just like Jingle Punk do for the studios. Then we're going to open it up. Mm. Composers could come on the platform.
1: That's beautiful. Um,
0: so, That's the tech play for me. And then the third thing is, you know, in Haiti in the future. But my main thing is to galvanize the export industry. So coming from the background of a farmer, you know, I plan to to uh, not just provide jobs after my experience is want to focus, provide jobs, you know, but how can we bring billions of dollars back into the country?
3: As a chef, I want to know how do I know what good grill? What what is the deal? Like, how do I define a good pickles, pickles and grill, for example? All the great food from Haiti. But how do I define it? Where should I go? Uh, tell me a little bit about the underground or Haitian food and where I can find it.
0: In my family, I have a little sister. Her name is Rosa Sharon. So she used to watch my mother's recipe, which is you know. 79, 80 year olds. Right. So she takes that recipe and then she mixes it, her generation and put it together. So I think the best thing that I'm going to do for you is to get her to make a cup of, because, you know, I think like they sell a lot of stuff online, different things. I might as well break the ice and let you know what's going on. So Similar to Jimmy Buffett, I'm going to be opening up the first Y Jacques Carnival. Oh, that's dope. So y'all just oh. heard that. So the yeah. first one is oh. going to be in Florida. So I'm going to get her to do a couple of dishes for you. No, yeah, we do a pop-up. We do a pop-up with
3: her here in the restaurant, right here she, in Overtown. Yeah, man, she, and she and does don't. what
0: I do with yeah. music. I call it a jazz fusion. Yeah, she's amazing. Big shout-out and thank you from not just Sweden, from all of us. And you've given us so mm-hmm. much,
3: Clef.
1: Okay. Yeah, all respect, dude, man. Thank you for coming on. All right, blessings.
3: So, for this episode, we want to give a special shout out and thank you to Marc Baptiste for making this happen. Also, for Mr. Charmant, check out Wyclef's YouTube series, Run That Back, where he chats to other stars about music, politics, and much more.